Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm so glad you came to church tonight, and I want to welcome also all of you who are tuning in to us by way of podcast. Welcome. And I want to say just a, a shout out to someone I know listens regularly, and that is our family, our extended family, all the way up there in Canada, Rod and Barbara Robertson. We love you very much. And we are thinking about you right now. God amen. bless you. Amen. And Brother Charlie says amen as you hear him regularly on our podcast. Amen. So let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Amos. Amos. First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Amos. I'm going to keep you all very confused about where to go in your Bibles. Right after Joel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, all right, sandwiched between Joel and Obadiah. We are in our Route 66 series, and tonight, um, on our journey, on our map, we're going to stop off and get a memento, and that's something that we're going to take into our lives, something to chew on, something to think on, meditate on, and to confess over our lives, if, if that's what it calls for. Also, we're going to look at the, the attraction, that is the must-see part of this book of nine chapters, and then also we will arrive at the person of Jesus. As Jesus says, the scriptures are those that bear witness of me. So um, we must make sure that we give great attention to that portion. Amos um, prophesied in a time, again, as many of these men did, of great prosperity in Israel. This was during the reign of King Uzziah, as Amos opens up and tells us that's whose reign it was. And Uzziah was the king of the southern kingdom of Judah, and Jeroboam, the second Jeroboam, was the king of the northern kingdom, all right? And Samaria being the capital city there, Judah being the capital down low. Um, and so now um, he's, <laughs> Amos wasn't like a lot of the other prophets, though. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at Amos chapter 7 for just a moment. But um, the businesses during that time were doing very well, and the, and the boundaries of the country were expanding. Israel was powerful. Um, but below that surface layer of their prosperity, there were levels of corruption. There were levels of greed and injustice. And true worship has been replaced with just... Uh, hypocritical religious form without the power of it. And um, as a matter of fact, one passage of scripture in this, uh, they allude to, I'm going to paraphrase it, they're, they're, they're basically saying, when is Sabbath over so that we can go back to work? We just, need to, we just want to make more money. We just want to live our life. And so they just wanted to get that stuff done. And we're disregarding God in so many ways. But Amos was approached by a priest up in the northern kingdom, and this priest was telling him, stop prophesying. Stop prophesying all this trouble to Israel. And Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet. Uh, I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, go and prophesy to my people Israel. So he's unique in this way that 
that he's just back there. It's another shepherd being called out. But as far as the, the office of the prophet, many of them came down through that, the lineage of prophets, but not Amos. He said, I was just working, and God told me, go north and prophesy to Israel. So this isn't my doing. Believe me, I wouldn't be doing this if God hadn't called me to do it. But God had called him indeed to do it. And so Amos, who was from the, the south part, from Tekoa, actually. He was a sheep breeder there. Tekoa is about five miles south of Bethlehem or so. And he ends up prophesying primarily to the northern kingdom of Israel. And um, Amos was to call out the, the, their sins and to tell of the visions of the Lord's judgment. Do we see a theme through these minor prophets at this point? That, that for the most part, it's God sending a man of God, a prophet, to this nation of Israel and declaring, calling out their sin, calling out their rebellion, and then talking about what's going to happen, what the consequences are going to be, but then always ending up saying there's going to be restoration. And, and if you'll repent, if you'll turn to me, none of this has to happen to you. And I can come and I can heal your land and I can be there for you and everything's going to go back right. It's just the, the continual theme. So now many of these prophets were, were together. At the, you know, he, Amos is a contemporary of Isaiah. And so th their, their prophecies are going on simultaneously. Okay, so... Uh, but I want to look at, at um, Amos chapter 4, and this is where we're going to pick up our, our memento tonight. And this is an interesting verse of scripture. Uh, it says, For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind, who declares to man what his thought, his thought is, and makes the morning darkness, who treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. Now, think about this. Nestled right in the middle of these grand declarations of God, and he's saying these things of himself. He who forms the mountains. All right, what is God declaring to us here? He's declaring his majesty. He who creates the wind. He's showing us that he is spirit. He makes morning darkness. This is about his timing how God created time, morning and night. He who treads the high places of the earth. In other words, the highest place on the earth is still under his feet. This is his authority. But in all of this declaration of God's power and his authority and his, his, his great strength and his spirit and all those things, right there in the middle of it, he says, who declares to man what his thought is. Now, in, in, when you look at his, his thought, where it says it declares what his thought is, the word his, if you, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it can either mean the man's thought or God's thought. And as powerful and as, a, as magnificent as our God is, and how many of you agree tonight that he is? Yeah. We also understand that he is intrinsically interested in sharing his own thoughts with us. And revealing to us that he knows our thoughts. So this verse teaches us tonight, and I just want to give you this one line. I'm going to give you a few things, but this is the main thing I want you to take for your memento. God is both powerful and personal.
And since this is true, then you can know that his power is personal. That is, you're the purpose for his, of his power. You're the reason why he's powerful, because he wants to show his power to you. Think about why did he even create this world in the first place? He created this world for you, for you to live in it. Why did he make the mountains? For you, so you'd climb them. Why did he put flowers on tops of mountains? So that when you got there, you would see something extra special. Hmm? He did this for you. He doesn't just want you to know that he's powerful. Hey, the devil knows God's powerful. Yeah. Right? I don't think anybody would argue that God is powerful. But he wants all of you, all of us to understand and to know not only that he's powerful, but he wants us to know his power in our lives. Yeah. To experience that power and the goodness of that power. Amen. And so he, uh, amongst all those things he declared about himself, right in the middle of it all, he says, I'm the one who shows you my thoughts, and I, I know your thoughts when we talk about these things. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 33, 11, the, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. I love this. God wants to reveal what's in his heart to us. Amen. The deep things, the secret things of God. The inner thoughts. That's how much he loves us. He is both powerful and personal. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9. And this is where we're going to look at the, uh, the big thought here, the attraction. Now, I can, I can go through this book, and, and we can talk about, I mean, God lays out, in the first couple of chapters, um, lays out judgments for all of these foreign nations, these Gentile nations, and then he ends up at Israel uh, declaring it to them, uh, his judgments to them. And, and then he talks about what's going to happen as a result of their sin. He calls out each nation. And he says, uh, for, three for, for three transgressions, uh, for four, I'm going to punish you. And I'm going to release this punishment because of this specific sin. So he would name like a chief sin among many of those sins that each nation performed. And then he would give the consequence of that sin. This is going to be the judgment. And this happened the first two or three chapters. You can, you can see that. And, um, and, then, uh, and then he really begins to deal with Israel itself. And talk about, of course, their, their sacrifices, how he, he, he says, I hate, I despise your sacrifices. And the reason is because they were just coming to church, doing their thing, and just coming there to go, okay, I did my church thing, now I'm back to my life. Everything was compartmentalized as far as their lives, and, and it wasn't all flowing together out of this relationship with God as a now I do this, and now I do this, and now I do this, and I have everything in a nice little neat little package, and everything's just perfectly in order, and everything's right. So they, they'd go to church and they would check their church check and, all right, when's Sabbath going to be over so I can go do what I need, need to do? And so it was, again, it was again, again, here they are, breaking their God's heart. But in, in Amos chapter 9, 
the very last chapter, we see sun rays break through the dark clouds of judgment. And God says, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which was fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles, say, that's me, who are called by my name, say, that's me, says the Lord who does this thing. Now, take your Bible and go to the book of Acts, from Amos to Acts, chapter 15. This is the, the council in Jerusalem where there was a great dispute at this time when Paul and Barnabas had gone out and, and were winning many Gentiles to Christ. Peter had had the door open. Remember, God opened the door to the Gentiles through Peter at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. It's the first Gentile convert. And then Paul was ushered in. He was called by God. And I mean, they started winning people like us, pagan bacon eaters left and right, I mean, to Jesus. And so he... Uh, so now there's this dispute because the Jews are going, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. It ain't that easy, guys. Getting saved is not that easy. Okay, maybe getting saved is that easy, but keeping your salvation is really difficult. And the number one thing you've got to do, men, is you've got to be circumcising for righteousness' sake, okay? In other words, you need to be Jews. You need to be like us. And so there's this great argument going on, and then Paul and Barnabas stand up, and they testify. And then James, God bless Pastor James, the Lord's brother, he stands up and says, verse 13, it says, After they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles. And when was that? That was at Cornelius' house. All right. At the first, visited the Gentiles to take them. Wait, can we back up for? Yeah, to take out of them a people for His name. Next, and th with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, here it is. Here's Amos, right here. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, even, yeah, thank you, <laughs> all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does all these things. So, just like in Acts chapter 2, when they are all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and there was confusion, and Peter stood up and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Remember, in the last days I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. James is basically doing the same thing here. He's saying this was prophesied before, that, in, that I will rebuild the ruins, I will restore the tabernacle, rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. Now, what's so, what's so important about the tabernacle of David? Well, the tabernacle of David was much different than the temple of Solomon or the tabernacle of Moses because those places, the Solomon's temple and Moses' temple, were only for the Jews. Now, there was a place called the outer court where Gentiles who wanted to be Jewish could worship, but there was no way they could be on the inside. They couldn't be in the club. All right? So... They, they, they had to just be kind of observers and worship at one level, but that was as deep as their relationship could go. But David's tabernacle was different. 
David's tabernacle was a free-for-all kind of event. It was like a suspension in that old covenant for, for us to be able to see into what God's real heart and plan was. And the tabernacle of David was just a tent that was set up, and they put the Ark of the Covenant in the middle of it, and they invited anyone and everyone to come and worship God freely. Marvelous thing. And so this is what he's saying. He's saying we're, the tabernacle of David is being restored. It's being rebuilt so that all can come. So now this is the era of the Gentile church. That's, this is our time right now, all right? Because the Jews ultimately had rejected, for the most part as a nation, had rejected God. They had rejected Jesus, therefore they had rejected God. They had rejected Jesus as the Messiah. They keep, even to this day, they're still at that wailing wall, just praying for their Redeemer to come. He's already come! They, because they, they want to, they, they want this, this, this prophesied king to come and establish his kingdom so that they can go back to the temple sacrifices. So they're at that wailing wall over and over again, wishing for that day. When, when Jesus said, remember when he, he, taught, he wept over Jerusalem because he said, you've missed your day of visitation. I'm here, your Redeemer is here, and you can't see me. You refuse to see me. And this had to happen, though. This had to happen. God, let me say this. God used this event to bring us in. He used this event to bring, to bring us in. So I want you to turn to Romans chapter 11 for just a moment, and we can get a little understanding about the time that we're living in and, uh, and understand that we, this is why we, we have a call out to the world. God has placed you where you are, around the people that you are, so that you will be a light to the Gentiles and that you will be a light to them to compel them to be reconciled to God and let them know that they have free access to come and worship God freely and to receive of His great salvation. Because we're in a window right now of time, but this time will close. The time of the Gentiles, the day of the Gentiles, will come to an end. The church age will end or will be taken up with, with God. And then God's going to go back to dealing with Israel. He still has things to complete with the nation of Israel. And listen to this. Uh, For I do not desire, brethren, verse, uh, this is Romans chapter 11, verse 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. All right, so right now, the fullness of the Gentiles has not come in, but it's getting fuller, <laughs> all right? And there's going to be a time when it's going to close, and, and Israel has been blinded so that you and I can come in, all right? Now, Israel, Jews get saved. They can still get saved even today, but it's, it's not in mass numbers as it will be in the, in the not-too-distant future, all right? And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Thank you, Lord. So we thank God for Israel. And because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be in this thing in the first place. And earlier in that chapter, Paul talks about don't boast against the branches. You know, don't boast because you were grafted in to this thing. All right. And so don't boast against them. Listen, if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be here. 
So we, we honor Israel. We honor our Jewish brothers and sisters, and, and, and we pray for them. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen? Yeah. So we continue to support them. And, and because I believe that, that the, one of the greatest reasons, one of the biggest reasons why we as a nation have been blessed for so many years is because they're our partners. Because we honor Israel and we are partnered with them. And we have been that way for years and years and years. All right? If that ever changes, I, I fear what could happen to this country. All right? But that, that, that reach over there to Israel and saying, we are partnered with you. All right? Um, that little bitty speck on the map that God just can't get over. He loves those people. He loves that place. But that time is not yet. That time is not yet. So now it's our time. Reminds me of Goonies. Right down here, it's our time. It's our time. Then it's their time. It's their time. Okay, you have to see the movie if you haven't seen it. Anyway, okay. Now let's go to Amos chapter 2. And this is where we're going to finish with a look at our Savior here in the Scriptures. Now, there are several things. Uh, Amos, the name Amos actually means burden bearer. All right, so he himself is a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ who would take upon himself the burdens of our sin and guilt and shame. But this says in Amos 2.6, Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel and for four. It's kind of interesting. You see that phrase over and over again. For every time he addresses a nation, he's about to pronounce judgment, he says, for three transgressions of Israel or whatever nation, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they sell the righteous for silver. Now, let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me? If I deliver him to you, and they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. The righteous sold for silver. And Judas later on said, he returned back to those chief priests with the 30 pieces, and he says, I have sinned and betrayed an innocent or a righteous man. Now, Amos chapter 8, we're going to see another place, verse 9. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, that is noon, until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. I think it's interesting that much of these things that are prophesied about Jesus have to do with this day that he dies. Not all of them, but many of them have to do with this moment right here on, on, on the cross. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Isaiah 53 especially. Psalm 22. Big time. Lots of scriptures in Isaiah about his death about a sacrifice for us. I, I do encourage you to read the, the book of Amos, but then 
um, maybe take a Prozac after you're done reading it to cheer up a little. No, I do not recommend that. That's a joke. I'm not a doctor, and nor do I play one on TV. So I'm just, that was a joke, folks. Please don't take me literally. No, uh, that, usually when, I, when, I, when, I read, when I'm heavy into a book like that in the Old Testament, you know, I usually have to go, okay, now I need Romans. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I live in a different day than they did. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.